Welcome to the All Things Data Podcast. We're back again one week later. Here we are. <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about some skill gaps that we've been seeing um, in within our data science community. And, you know, I think the data science community in at large, at large. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that this is specific to any of our training programs or Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if it was like the residency when we were running the residency and all that, like the private co-op, no matter what we do, um, there's this constant barrage of data, well, data people, not just data scientists, but data people believing that the big thing is modeling and the only thing is modeling and the everything is modeling. And realistically, there's so much more to it. And unless we're talking you're like nauseum a, about it, right? <laughs> well, unless you're like a quant department, right? Yeah, and there's a few of those, right? And it's almost absurd to think that you go and pick up, you know, a Coursera course, a Udacity course, or do a boot camp or whatever, and then you're going to be one of these people. Like, that's just not good. You're not going to be a quant, like, realistically. (laughs) I think maybe we, instead of going right at the solution, well, why don't we talk about the problem a little bit first? Absolutely. So, So, yeah, go for it. Let me me frame it in a way that sort of makes sense. as everybody knows, we've gone through evolutions in technology and paradigms and methodology, all kinds of things. I mean, we went from full agriculture to industrial revolution and beyond blah, 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 into the computer age and all that stuff. Uh, right. And every time there's a shifting of skills and a shifting of paradigms, that's pretty natural. And I think we can all rationalize and understand that that's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what often happens is you have this sort of uncomfortable transition period. Uh, I don't know how long they last, but let's say, you know, uh, stupid, just picking a number out of the sky, like five to 10 years at last. Like one generation of workers. Yeah, probably. So it might even go beyond the 10 years, right? It might be someone's whole career. We don't know. I haven't done enough actual research to figure this out, but there's a transition period where the old guard is still there and still wants to ensure that we have all of the skills because we're used to using those skills and we're used to developing things with those skills, whether it's, you know, agriculture. So we're used to developing carrots or industrial revolution. We're used to developing widgets, you know, computers, we're used to developing code, right? So now we're in an era where data science is super hot, sexy, all this other stuff, except that the majority of the executives that you will be working under, so all the way to the top, come from an era of strictly computing and sometimes even prior to computing. So Mm -hmm. not like prior to computing, 1950s prior to computing, but like prior to computing being the big thing and development and coding and all that stuff being the big thing. Right, like computing as in I've put computers into the office and they're doing a bunch of, they're doing a bunch of like fast things for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is not uh, that (laughs) movie with NASA or whatever. Uh, I don't remember the name of it anymore. Uh, But basically, it it generally ends up uh, that the old guard or whoever the boss is all believe that the old way is still relevant and good, and we should only do things the old way. Uh, So you get a lot, a lot, a lot of people getting into this new paradigm because they're either early adopters or they're they're eager or they've heard that, you know, it pays really well or something, which Mm -hmm. are the wrong motivations. Paying really well is really the greatest motivation to take a career. Uh, 
but still they get into it <laughs> and fair. yeah they believe that uh everything will be rosy on the other side but then you get into the workforce and there's all these skills that you lack and all these gaps that you have because you focused only on future you which needs skills for 10 15 years from now because mm -hmm. then you'll be the bosses rather than current you which requires the skills that you know 10 years ago were the hottest skills and are still totally being utilized in in industries such as development skills devops skills mm -hmm. dba skills all of those basically everything that is production engineering is mm -hmm. really still required in most data science shops do you and think data that scientists don't always describe to that do you think that um well i guess two things one is do you think that data science requires like pure data science requires all of this is it a demand thing so uh well wait let me rephrase that pure that's, data science. yeah, yeah that's, this is that's a not a good question word. yeah um so for example when people hiring data scientists why what, what do you think they're hiring them for uh well there's very many schools of thoughts here but um I'll say the sophisticated ones who are hiring data scientists, they've seen the light and understand that they're getting into a world of data is everything. Data is the product. Data is the company, right? Uh, sure, your web apps, your apps, your mobile apps, all that stuff will still empower data or use data. But really, the thing to sell or the thing to hoard is the data. And I mean, you've seen this with big, big, huge um, you know, net state type companies like the Googles and mm -hmm. the, the fangs, basically the fangs of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so often those more sophisticated ones are hiring for a specific need. You know, they need uh, a computer vision person, they're hiring a computer vision person. They need an AI researcher, they're hiring that, right? And mm -hmm. they know the kind of AI researcher. They're in a nice little pool. And that's even like the early adopter companies who have figured things out quite well. But they've figured is is that them figuring out a business model or is that them like trying to address a technical challenge uh that's a good question actually uh i think it's a bit of both actually so okay yeah like i'm thinking google you go back way way back when they were kind of like starting to make money mm -hmm. and already they realized we need an absurd amount of of data storage, we don't know what for. So they were already pointed in that direction. I mean, search is very data hungry anyway. So uh, it just kind of makes sense that they would have that. But then so is Facebook, right. so is Twitter, so is IG, so is Amazon has been hoarding data forever. They probably, I mean, they built an entire business of data centers because they had so much data center, you know? And so much extra. Uh, Exactly. They had so like they over provisioned and they were like, we could sell all this over provisioning, you know? Uh, and then, you know, Netflix comes along and they're data hungry too, but they're on Amazon. Right. So there's a bunch of these businesses that were very early. And then you have right. like this second wave uh, that comes in, which is companies that are very much uh, like data hoarders, but are not technology first. So you can imagine like telcos, basically the oligarch companies of the Americas really fit into that nicely. So right. uh, whether that is like insurance, telco, it's FinTech, 
you know, it's banking, it's, uh, it's that kind of industry. Uh, they come in and they have board members and C-levels who attend all these conferences, talk to the right people, read the right magazines, attend whatever. And they're like, ooh, neural networks, we should do some of that. And very often they'll dip their toes in by getting a vendor in if they don't have all the right people. You know, most of them already had quants, but quants right. aren't exactly the right people to do product uh, data science, right? So this is them hiring... Is it because they're hiring like the research folks or is it, that's how it started anyways? So yeah, that was so the initial If you need. think back to some of these large organizations who have absurd amounts of data already, they had quants and actuarials who basically worked off the tables rather than, and maybe some regression, but instead of going to like full prediction, full pipelines and all that stuff. Now they want to like make it slightly better Right. Uh, so they'll often hire a vendor and they'll be like, oh, this is totally possible. Or they'll hire, you know, three or four. The other way that they go is rather than hiring a vendor, they'll hire a top executive away from Google. I'm just going to pick on Google. Uh, and I'm sure this has happened. I don't know which one, but, uh, you know, a bank has for sure hired a top executive from Google saying, we need to handle our data practice. Right. Now, because you've done it at Google doesn't mean that you're going to be be super successful doing it at a other institution because they don't have the culture right. or the business the to support it. Yeah, right. exactly. So you get into this situation often where they bring in somebody, there's turnover, you know, at the top several times, they kind mm -hmm. of reorg themselves away from, from those departments and then recreate them, reorg, recreate them. Uh, and this happens a lot and we see it all over the place. Uh, you know, really think of any company that's like several thousand people uh, in the GTA and they've done this. Um, and then eventually from the bottom up, you start getting a lot of hires that come in and are savvy in the new paradigm and the new thing. And, and that new paradigm being like running machine learning models. Sure. So or embedding machine learning models and problems, mm -hmm. let's say, right? So now you get, you know, they're, they're very junior, so they can't really affect strategy, but they start doing things at the ground floor. And then it starts permeating through the organization uh, quite slowly, but because the organizations aren't set up in such a way to have the right tooling and the right mindset and even the right change management, which is super key. Uh, yeah, then you get into situations where a lot of them get frustrated for a period. And eventually you can, come out of that frustration several years later, probably, mm -hmm. and start working in these organizations in a way that is sort of akin to like the tech, uh, I guess the tech companies and the net states that really do this stuff. Um, I mean, if you think of these large organizations, there's still right. incredibly old technology in them that people are supporting. You know, there's stuff from the eighties. still. Yeah, I mean, mainframe is still around, right? Yeah, and it's still crunching and really producing value, I guess, uh, and keeping the lights on. They could very nicely transition out of that, but then there's risk, and nobody wants to be the person who tries to transition right. and then fails miserably and has issues with it, right? No, that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, one, one thing is, is that, you know, kind of going back to the gap, I think that people are 
I don't know if it's a rush to hire, but there was, I think, an initial need of being like, okay, let's add machine learning. Let's add yeah. know, data science. And those, you know, those skills were sure, like they're hot, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a gap because the people entering the workforce at some point and not to their fault is that, you know, they're entering not fully formed, right? They're coming yeah. in so specialized, right? Yes. And, and it's not even, they're that specialized, right? They're coming in <laughs> knowing how to run, you know, knowing how to use Scikit, <laughs> knowing how to use Pandas, but it's a very specific skill set. It's like coming into Java and then being like, I only do APIs. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like I went to API school. Um, yeah. Ob- obviously there's a, you know, a big gap. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's definitely more uh, skills involved in that, but you know, you're coming in so specialized, but the thing is, is that you're plugging in a lot of the time you're plugging into an environment and you don't have the skills to plug into the environment. You just know how to run a model. Yes. Right. And you know, we see this time and again, um, you know, we help a bunch of startups and there's a lot of startups who have like, like I would say like pretty decent data science folks, like they can, you know, manipulate data, they can uh, run models, create value from those models. But it's like, how do you plug in properly into that environment, like their development environment? So how do I get data into the model? How do I do it securely? How do I do it in a scalable fashion? And then when I'm pushing the data out of my model, how do I do that in a scalable fashion? So it's like the incoming stuff and the outgoing stuff, they're kind of missing, but the thing in the middle, they're really good at. But then sometimes it's even to a point where it's, you can't, you can build a model, but you don't know how to build it at scale. Right. Oh, so you're sure. good at, you're good at creating proof of concepts essentially. Yeah. And I mean, not just at scale, but with constraints, like real constraints, it doesn't matter if it's scale or not. Like there are other constraints right. that we had, like, right when you're doing stuff in academia very often, those constraints are removed because you have funding and you have, you have time, <laughs> you have time and you have a university's, you know, entire data center network, cloud, whatever they're using. Right. right. So you have millions and millions of dollars of hardware, but if you're at a scrappy little startup and you're that person who's doing this, you likely have like, Amazon, Amazon free tier. (laughs) You have free tier. You maybe have $10,000 in credits. Maybe you have some other credits, you know, you're not going to have an absurd amount of money. And you need to get it out in two months versus a three-year PhD or like a four-year PhD. And if you're putting something in the field, wherever that ends up like in the physical field and not just like in a a software delivery Mm -hmm. method, uh, there are then constraints of what's my CPU and GPU on whatever I'm putting it on. And can right. I even run this model? Like there's right. all of those kind of things. Right. Yeah. And like performance constraints too. It's like, you know, maybe your PhD, it took you like four days to run a model to get the data out. And then you know, if it doesn't work, you've got literally like a year or two of runway just to keep trying. But, um, <laughs> here in the real world, you might be like, I need to, this model needs to be. I don't know, run in 300 milliseconds because no one wants to wait two hours for your movie recommendations on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a real, that's a real uh, example, by the way, that was, it wasn't hours, but you know, it wasn't quick. Yeah. It wasn't minutes. Yeah. Yeah. For all you just check out the, check out the Netflix prize story. Yeah. It was like a really, really, really good model and all, but uh, yeah, it just uh, 100% wouldn't perform. So 
That's right. Work, right. Yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts and I guess views on what people are missing when they're entering the workforce or where data scientists kind of need right. to pick up their skills? Um, well, I mean, if you think of the majority of production engineering and like the day in life of a, not the day, maybe a sprint in life of a developer or production engineering or somebody like that, uh, there's a lot of the skills that they have that data scientists lack. Mm -hmm. and I mean, even starting like right at the beginning, like just generally version control is something that they're just like, what? We have to put this in versioning rather than just on Colab or, or Google Drive or on my <laughs> saving Saving multiple copies of my yeah, just keep notebook. saving it with a dot date. You know, and uh, I mean, I've seen this, I've seen this in places like at vendor sites, not vendor, sorry, at client sites where other vendors had done work before. And I'm like, okay, well, how do I tap into the work that's here? Uh -huh. And immediately they're like, oh, it's all living on this shared drive. I'm like, what? Shared drive? I was like, that's really not very smart. You know, if somebody <laughs> steals that computer or powers it down or anything you yeah. lose all this code, right? Right. Because they're backing it up. There's no disaster recovery to this. You're an enterprise. You should have those things, right? Right. Um, I think the majority of data scientists should know the medium they're deploying onto. So if they're putting stuff into Linux, you should know a bit of Linux. You don't need to know it down to like, you know, guru level, but you need to know how to get your way around. Yep. And know that the world doesn't operate on GUIs. It really operates on the command line. Um, you probably need to know some kind of containerization. It's, I mean, the world kind of right now picks Docker. So Docker is yep. a good one to, to start with. Um, Why containerization? You to, oh, uh, it sort of has become the standard way to deploy not just models and uh, APIs, but you know, general service-oriented uh, architecture or microservices, which everyone ascribes to. There's right. still places for monolith applications and MVPs and all that, but the majority of the world kind of goes containerization so that it allows you to quickly spin things up in different environments, in different places, test things all the time. Gives you that so, portability too, right? Yeah, it's really nice and and uh, uh, and usable that way. Uh, and then like in terms of Git, it's just workflows as well. Uh, all around Git, you really have to know like pull requests and commenting and code reviews and, and whatnot. Um, testing is another big thing that data science oh, yeah. generally doesn't ascribe to because it's difficult. But like other than your actual yeah. like data inputs and the output, the rest of your code should be nicely packaged and tested, right? And there are ways to test even like tiny uh, versions of your model that you could basically right. craft and make work, right? So, so is that, if you're modeling, for example, is that an idea around, are you testing the model itself? Because, you know, the way I see it is that in data science too, there's a, there's a lot of like testing, but you're just seeing if something works. Yeah. So, and, and it's not like, you know, truly production. It's just like, hey, should I run this model? Should I run that model? Should I you know, like, oh, this one, you know, it's a lot of tinkering and a lot of experimenting. So that's not really true to the, the software engineering world where it's more like, okay, I need to build this thing and I'm not yeah. going through like 70 iterations of it. Yeah, the build this thing is quite different in data science than AI, obviously. Like build this thing is 
is not I'm going to know the path the data took. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm going to know exactly what I'm going to get. It's a lot of I'm putting data in and I want, you know, some data out, whatever that means. But the data I want out is some sort of uh, either inference, classification, it's usually those two, right? Inference and classification. And I might feed this into something else. Uh, the mechanics inside, because we hide away all the math now with as many libraries as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, people are getting farther and farther away from understanding what the model could even be doing rather than like all the way down to what the model is doing, right? So right, right. they put it in and they're just like, yep, uh, it gave me 88% accuracy, I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but it is, it's difficult. Like if you take a very uh, large network, like a neural network, and you try to like fully test everything, uh, in, including the model, I think it's difficult. And there's probably research and there's probably methods to do it. Uh, they're probably very early adoptery methods and just starting out because I really have not used any specific, but everything before model and after model should be well tested. Everything that's your ETL, that's setting up your data, that's normalizing or, or anything that should all be like easily testable and tested so that when you get into the model, at least you know you have good inputs and you can trust that you have good outputs. No, uh, that, makes, the, that makes sense, yeah. that makes sense. Then, I mean, generally, if you're thinking of production engineering, uh, they're gonna have to know what deployment is like. So whether that means continuous integration, continuous deployment, uh, or some other version of deployment. Um, and then if you're getting advanced, you should probably start to get to know a little bit of uh, like large distributed frameworks like Hadoop and Spark. Uh, you should definitely yeah. know Dask because that's a local version of data frames and it's compliant with, uh, with pandas really well. Mm -hmm. um, and really like the last little bit is having super context about your company and its data, right? You need to have that. Otherwise you just don't win. Like it's hard to be a really good data scientist without that kind of context. No, that's, that's true. And like, how do you, and that makes sense because I mean, context is everything, right? Like if you don't, mm. <laughs> part of learning is like learning that, you know, recipe or the ingredients of your um, data science uh, team in like the environment that you're in. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about, um, testing like it's one of those things where it's like testing and deployment is always coming up like oh my god it's <laughs> it just keep it's like every time we're on you know doing client work it's there's so much like testing and deployment that is lacking can you can you go a little bit uh deeper into that so i think we kind of went over why why it's needed but like what about testing and then what about deployment why do you need to kind of turn data science into more like DevOps. Well, not necessarily DevOps, but have kind of like a DevOps type of uh, mindset or maybe not mindset, but DevOps knowledge at least. Right. Uh, it's not really just DevOps. I mean, you kind of need a, a swath of production engineering all the way from, uh, you know, infrastructure DevOps and tooling to uh, all, you know, basically to deployment. I mean, there's a lot of DevOps, there's a lot of QA in there, but there's just a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, development period, right? So it's not necessarily that they need to be great at 
DevOps per se, but they need to understand how their code or how their model will flow into an application. And I don't mean the data. I actually mean how they'll fit that in. And, you know, because very often you're kind of shoehorning something in or or doing like square peg round hole. And -hmm. you have to figure out how do I shave off the corners of the square peg to make it a round hole. And that's something that really often comes with experience and trying to do several models that nobody will let you put into production. And then eventually (laughs) somebody is like, okay, this is what you really need to do. Let's go do that together. Yeah. And you know, some places will actually have like, they'll, they'll um, put staff in between a data scientist and a, uh, a production environment. uh, And they call those generally machine learning engineers. So, right. Like that's kind of like the, Place we're in right now is that you would be at a way way easier time to find a job and have way better job satisfaction if you were a data scientist who understood machine learning engineer rather mm-hmm. than one who required a machine learning engineer by their side and you'd be uh, more marketable and you'd do better work and all not all but a lot of your projects would make it to uh would make it to production in prime time <laughs> yeah yeah and exactly that's, so that's so interesting Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we've seen models also where it's not just a, um, what's it called? A machine learning engineer who does that work in some mm-hmm. countries and in some locales. It really is like they've figured out that, oh, well, devs really could be doing this stuff. So why are we forcing, you know, a whole new role? Let's just train up our devs. And, you right. know, that's what happens in places that are, thinking ahead of the curve and willing to make change. So, right. Or enough, they have, they have resources yeah. too, right? Like, I mean, I feel that like devs, you know, those are, I think it's, I don't know, this is totally <laughs> my opinion and I don't, you know, I have no evidence to back this up, but okay. you know, devs could make good data scientists. Uh, and, yeah. Like I would say some devs. Yeah, some devs. I mean, the thing is, is that you can teach dev the math. You can teach dev some of the concepts. And I mean, it's not like you're doing machine. A lot of the time you're not doing like ML research. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just like, okay, find a model. Here's the math behind it. If you've taken CS, you know, you've probably taken a bunch of like math courses. So here's the thing. And then, you know, the people that are more savvy to it uh, and the people that are more, you know, like into it and like want to learn about it can do it right and they'll they'll kind of pick it up but they already have those software skills so it's not i don't i don't always think it's like go find a scientist and then teach them the the software engine it's like there's there's definitely value in people who've kind of been in the software world and working for a while and then kind of upskilling them while they're in the workforce right like you don't find a scientist that's in the workforce and then like convert them into data scientists a lot of the time right like you're a lot of the time you're finding the scientists who are just coming out of school and then you're kind of teaching them the the python skills like most likely converting them from r into python yes but you don't have that yeah and you, you don't have like they don't come with like an infrastructure first or like deployment first mindset you know, like right. they're not, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about like, I want my model to run versus how does this model integrate into my infrastructure? Like what, even just teaching, like what is continuous deployment? 
you know, things yeah. like that. It's not, you know, it's not there. Yeah. And that sure. takes time too. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, those, there's those data skills, um, or I mean, I should say the dev skills for data scientists. There's yep. the upfront, you know, we talked a little bit about infrastructure, people learning Hadoop. And I think even just with like, you know, a lot of people talk about data scientists needing to learn big data. And I'm like, eh. like cloud takes care of a lot of it now. It's not like they're creating the Hadoop clusters or, you know, if you're in the enterprise, like someone's just telling you how to tap into it. So Most you're of the time. less infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, like maybe five, 10 years ago, it was like, okay, everyone had, like you have to do everything, but now it's kind of those roles. People have figured out like you need a data engineering team and they need to be passing you the stuff. But I guess if you're at a smaller, a smaller environment, um, you know, you, you gotta be doing more in like figuring stuff out. And I guess that's not a bad thing. Is there, um, are there any other gaps that you see, um, you know, outside of like pure modeling and like development? Um, no, I think those generally are the bigger gaps. Everything else is kind of part and parcel to just about uh, like every new hire, every, mm -hmm. you know, like professional, kind of being a professional, professional. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just like, do you actually know how to work? Do you have the discipline and all this, all these other things. Right. So mm -hmm. those are generally the big things uh, across the board that most people lack, uh, but they usually only lack them at, at the start of their career. And that's the hope is that they don't, you know, lack these three years down the road kind of thing. Right. And you know, so, so when it's their second job, you often can believe that uh, that they would actually be okay and understand how to work and all this other stuff. That's fair. And so if you were to if you were to summarize this, like, hey, I'm coming out of a boot camp or I'm teaching myself data science, like what are the what are the big takeaways? Like what are the things they should be diving into in, in terms of study or um, you know, skills that they should pick up? Well, first and foremost. Uh, you really shouldn't believe that the only thing you need to know is modeling because it's not. Uh, you're going to need to know a lot more. So if all you focused on your whole career, not your whole career, your whole uh, like study portion mm -hmm. was uh, very much to just model, mm -hmm. then you're in a place where you're going to be at a disadvantage versus the majority of the people in the world. Okay. Uh, so that's a big one. Change uh, mindset. If you change mindset. And if you want to be very marketable and very hireable, uh, display that you both know how to be a data scientist and also a developer, even if you're not a good developer. Like you just have to understand a lot of the paradigms in development. And I don't mean getting down to the nitty gritty of, I use this specific framework when developing a socket kind of web mm -hmm. app, no, who cares? But, you know, know all of the stuff that goes around development, you know, you're going to need, you know, all the way from roadmap and planning to delivery, uh, continuous integration, uh, testing, all of the stuff in between. You and know, just even one thing I see too, is just even writing tight code, commenting. Oh yeah. Commenting <laughs> like is huge. Indenting. <laughs> like just, come on, <laughs> please. Yeah, just getting to a world of, uh, of, of like proper style. Uh, mm -hmm. hopefully wherever you go enforces style and it, it basically slaps you in the face every time you try to commit. Uh, <laughs> but if it doesn't, you know, then you're in a place where you're going to, have to you're going to have to, to develop a style for your code. And it's mm -hmm. easy because there are so many libraries that just force style, like it's style checkers. So 
yeah. use them and don't write super long like generally don't write super long lines don't write functions that are your entire code and are more <laughs> than like if your function is more than like 10 to 15 lines it's too long it's too damn long it's not understandable anymore right yeah yeah so like reduce them down write sub functions all that's fine and test 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 as much yeah. as you can yeah and a good test is like, well, even just for code, just give your notebook or your code to someone else. And if they can read it and not want to kill you, you're, you're in a good spot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Yeah, that, no, that's good. And I think, you know, that's, that's a big thing. Um, a misnomer, like, you know, we've, we've been seeing it in, you know, just kind of the, the work that we're doing. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing it in the people that, we're hiring and working with too. So it's, it's not a, I don't think it's a big, it's not a big gap to fill, but it definitely is something that people um, don't know that they need, you know, cause it's not, it's not sexy, right? People aren't saying like <laughs> continuous CICD, continuous deployment <laughs> and continuous integration is like the, we need to find people that have that. You know, it's just yeah. kind of like, it's, it's the next new skill. It's the new oil. It's, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense, but it's one of those things that you should have, you know, it's like knowing how to write an email, knowing how to like book appointments in your calendar. You know, these are, these are things that I think people expect when you're entering the workforce, but they don't actually put it into the job description. They don't actually say these are the, these are the core, core, core competencies, but it's something that, you know, makes you that much more uh valuable but it, you know the other thing too is it's hard to signal that stuff oh it is yes for sure right so it's uh, like yeah unless you can display it like not in the portfolio because even that's hard like you kind of have to talk about it in an interview that's like the big thing that's right know? and it's it's easy to know some of the terms but it's quite difficult to know the entire uh the entire stack basically yeah unless you've done it right so i mean yeah. there's a lot of tools out there i mean even with git there's like gamification uh type of lessons you can learn about like branching and like the commit and pulls and you know those type of things and it's they're there so but it's just something again like you kind of overlook or you don't even actually know about right uh, exactly yeah for sure all right well thanks guys thanks for listening um we'll be back next week all right guys have a good week